Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. Listeners, you are in for a treat for this podcast. I am re-interviewing one of my very first guests and also a dear, dear friend, Kimberly Davis, author of Brave Leadership and... um, Again, dear, dear friend. So, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me again today. Oh, this is so much fun. I am so excited to talk to you. <laughs> well, it's been almost it's been almost three years. I can't believe yeah, that. Because I think you had just started. I was like one of your your first, second, third. I was like really early on. Uh-huh. I think you were my third guest. I'll have to wow. look back at that and put a link that's to it. That's amazing. I mean, when I think about everything that's happened in the world since then and in our lives since then, it's um, it's hard to believe. Well, we've just continued to contribute to our stories and the messages that we share with audiences, right? I mean, absolutely. in absolutely. that time, we have both grown in, into our work even more. Yeah. And yeah. that was, and I don't year. think we had even met in person at that time yet. I think we'd had a couple of calls, but I think that was, that was before we actually, I actually got to hug you in person. That's right. And yeah. the first time we hugged in person was that at the conference here in Helena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So awesome. Um, just for our listeners, a little history here. Um, Kimberly and I met on LinkedIn through some a mutual connection, I think. And I ended up being one of your beta readers for the book, Brave Leadership. Yeah. And then once it was published, um, I shared it around and I shared it with our Women's Leadership Network board here in Helena. And everyone agreed immediately that you needed to come and speak at the next conference. And that's how we ended up getting you here to my house and to our little town and to meet our tribe of women here. That is such a special group of people you have there, Sarah. You have created something very, very special. I have traveled all over, and I don't know that I've ever met a group of women that um, take care of each other in the way that um, your group and Helena does. Well, I would love to say I created it, but the organization's been around for 35 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, it just shows how amazing the women in Montana are, right? <laughs> we can be, we can be. Absolutely. Yeah, because your listeners may not realize that we have that in common. I grew up in Montana, so I am mm-hmm. a Montanan at heart. I remember finding that out and just being thrilled and then being able to share that with the WLN board, which made it even more 
uh, exciting to have you come and, and speak at our, our event that year. Yeah, it was it was funny because when I was a child, we used to travel to Helena and stay in that exact same hotel. And uh, I've got so many memories of, of that hotel. And it was just bizarre to go back as an adult. And and a lot of it hasn't really changed that much. So um, it was it was a really neat kind of full circle moment for me. Mm, I love that. Well, speaking of full circles. Uh, part of why I wanted to have you back on the show is because I know a lot has changed. For one thing, you moved all the way to Costa Rica in, mm-hmm. was that December, 2020? Is that right? Uh, we moved January 8th of 2020, 2021, 20, January 8th, mm-hmm. 2021. So it's, it's been kind just of like, COVID's year. just kind of a blur, right? So yes. I was like, what year was that? <laughs> I know everything is starting yeah. to blend. Um, yeah. And a lot has changed, but your work has just grown in terms of um, your your dedication to the meaning behind brave leadership yeah. and how yeah. people, particularly women, but all people can step into that. And I'm just so curious, when it comes to teaching and coaching, yeah. I feel like as teachers and coaches, if we aren't continually practicing and experiencing <laughs> yeah. things ourselves. Right, right. And we can't continue to do the work we're doing in authentic leadership. Right, right, right. And I think that's one of the, the joys in what we do and one of the biggest challenges in what we do, right? Because we're asking people to bring mindfulness to their work, to be bring self-awareness um, and, and to their to their lives and their, their work and um, and to step outside of their comfort zone. So that requires us to be constantly putting ourselves under the microscope and examining are we walking our talk, are you know, where, where can we grow? Where are we stagnating? Um, Where are we not being honest with ourselves? Right. And Mm -hmm. where are we playing it safe? And um, as much as I would love to say, yeah, that's really fun. That can be, (laughs) that's not 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 always fun. It's not. And, 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 and the truth is, is I don't always like what I see, but um, I I'm grateful to a be surrounded by people who are on the same journey, right? So when when I'm up against it, I have people in my life like you that I can call and say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm bumping up against my own stuff," and um, and then I got good tools, you know. I mean, I've I've got the tools that I work with, and then and luckily I, you know, again I surround myself with uh, other people with phenomenal tools, so it helps me get back to myself. And, uh, and I, and not just myself into my better self, right. My, I would love to mm-hmm. say my best self, my best self is it's somewhat aspirational, I think. Um, but yes. it helps me get back to my better self when I lose track of her. And I think that's just being human, right. You know, we mm-hmm. can't help, but um, take a few steps forward and a few steps back. Right. I kind of think of it doing the cha-cha in life. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. So yeah. I remember a vivid moment early in my coaching when um, I was talk- I was I was listening to to what this coaching client was saying, and I realized what he needed was some creativity in his life. So I, I gave uh-huh. him a tool. I said I actually shipped off one of those really cool coloring books and some colored pencils for him. Oh, that's great. And 
he and his wife actually went out that that day to uh, Michael's where they live up in, mm-hmm. I think they're in uh, the Bay Area in San Francisco, mm-hmm. oh, Santa Barbara. That's where they, this uh-huh. was years ago, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, we talked through how it felt to do these creative activities after work, yeah. you know, 15 minutes turned into two hours. And I said, well, how did that feel? Tell me. And the next day, did you feel like you were more refreshed at work? Did you feel like you could uh-huh. better problem solve? Because you and I both yeah. know with Melissa Hughes, one of our dear friends, mutual dear yeah. friends, yeah. that that kind of creativity helps our brain become better at problem solving. Right. And, right. Um, so he, we talked about it. It was wonderful. But I'll never forget that I said, so what are you going to do with this beautiful thing that you just colored? And it was a quote from a John Lennon song. Uh-huh. He said, what do you mean do with it? And I said, well, what are you, are you going to tear it out of the book? Are you going to frame it? Are you going to put it on your fridge? Like, what are you going to yeah. do with it? And he said, oh, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. Well, maybe I'll give it to my mom. Now, this is a 50-year-old uh-huh. man. That's said, awesome. I'll give it to my mom. <laughs> she loves this kind of thing. And she'll laugh and it'll be fun, but she'll also keep it. And I laughed. Uh-huh. I said, oh, that sounds wonderful. But I remember getting off the phone and thinking, why was I so insistent? that he do something with it. He didn't care. Yeah. Right. And I realized right. it was my own stuff, that uh-huh. external validation that I need when I do things like that. Like when I oh, bake something and I want somebody to yeah. say, wow, that's beautiful and so delicious. Or when I would do my ceramic work, um, when I, as I was building something, I would be thinking about the function and who I was going to gift it to. Right. It was this right. external. And here I was kind of pushing that I mean, he didn't feel pressure about it or anything, but yeah, I, yeah, I had to really look in the mirror and think, why am I being so insistent? And it changed yeah. the way I coach forever. That's interesting. Well, I think it's, I mean, you know, this better than anyone that our strengths are Achilles heel, right? Mm-hmm. And you were doing what you do so well. And, um, and that also can be the things that, that become our blind spots too. Yeah. So I'd love to hear one of those like moments where something changed, something shifted for you when you realized you were coming up against that mirror that you weren't so super excited to see that reflection yeah. and you made that adjustment. Well, so for me, I, I think uh, I tend to work through most of my stuff through writing. So that's that. And I, and I, I write almost every day. So I, um, I, I end up having several iterations of a piece that I will work on and then I'll, I'll set it aside and I'll come back the next day and go, huh. And that's where I have the realization that I'm working through something. Usually I, in the first pass, I don't even notice that that's what I'm doing. And then, um, and then I usually look at it and say, okay, well, how does this, um, apply to everyone. So it's not just, you know, Kimberly working her stuff out <laughs> you know, in public, right? <laughs> Even though it, but how, most people would resonate. What lesson anyway. is there? Yeah. Right. 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 What lesson is there that, that this is a universal thing that we bump into and if there is one and, um, and almost always there is because I, you know, I, I, I'm not that special. My problems are, you know, like other people's problems. They just, they happen to be unique to my situation, but not unique in the way we tend to process them necessarily. So um, I always kind of find my way back to myself in, through that 
process. And, and then if I don't, I always have to pick up the, the phone because um, I don't, sometimes, you know, it's that, that old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see what you're, what's mm. getting in your way. Um, and, you know, and that was, that was something that was going on with me and my son actually, because my son is 17 and um, he is, you know, he's coming into his own. He has got his own set of values that aren't necessarily in aligned with mine. And so we were bumping into having some value conflicts and it would cause me incredible anxiety. And I was tense and, and I felt this sense of such a heavy sense of responsibility to make sure that I'm parenting him. So when he goes out into the world, he will carry, you know, my good values out into the world, but he's his own person now, right? He's his own person. And, um, and it would, it, it, it was causing tremendous stress between the two of us. Um, and finally my husband, you know, and I couldn't, I was too close to it. I mean, it, I knew it felt icky. I knew that I didn't like the way I was showing up in it, but I didn't know how else to be in it. And uh, my husband pulled me aside one night and he said, look, you know, if you want to have a relationship with your son, you're going to have to allow him to find his own values. And, and, you know, it's not always going to be in alignment with yours. And, you know, some of that's going to be maturity that he's going to have some trial and error and realize that, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe mom was right, but he's not there yet. And if you push it, it's going to cost you both dearly. And I think it's costing, you know, how you feel around him. And it definitely was. And the interesting thing was Sarah is I think it took me a few days to process that conversation too. Cause I'm like, Bleh. of course, there's some defensiveness but, um, and shame right, involved in right, that right, right. kid. Um, but after I stepped away from it, I, you know, I realized, and, and this is between you and me and the listeners, cause we're not going to let Tim listen to this, that he was right. <laughs> he was right. Um, uh, but I was my own biggest roadblock to the relationship I wanted to have with my son. And since then it's gotten so much better. And ironically, when I stopped pushing, when I stopped pushing and imposing my own values on him, he stopped trying to push my buttons and, um, and, uh, and automatically the values kind of fell back in line. Right. But mm -hmm. I could not push my agenda on him. And, um, and I think that's really hard. And I, you know, like, I feel in, in many ways in my work, it's easier for me to give feedback and, and, um, and coach, but, with my son, it's not as easy. It's not as easy. And I have to remind myself that um, I am not the expert on this. In fact, I, I feel like I don't know what the heck I'm doing most of the time. <laughs> so, so I think most that, parents that, feel that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, mm -hmm. and thank goodness we only have one. Maybe that's the problem too, is that we only have one. So, <laughs> you know, uh, he gets all of our attention. Um, but, you know, he's going to grow into a great human being. He's had a great foundation. 
but he's also trying to figure out who he is and I need to give him the freedom to do that. And that's, that's hard. <laughs> that's, that's hard it to is. do. <laughs> it is, but I, and I think that um, having these challenges and this level of vulnerability allows you to be a better coach externally. And yeah, if we, definitely. If we didn't have those struggles, we couldn't relate to the people that we are supposed to be guiding. Right, right, right. Well, and it's another example too of our strengths are Achilles heel, right? So I think my number two or three strength, it's in my top five. I don't remember where it falls in the top five is belief. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm feel really strongly about the things I believe in. And, 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 and that's also what makes me so passionate, right. About one makes me so driven to make a difference and, and so committed to what I'm committed to, but um, it can cause problems with judgment and, and, uh, and my beliefs are not his beliefs. Right. So that's, you know, I was bumping into my, you know, my strength. I was overusing that strength with him. Yes. I love that you just said that. And for our listeners, um, in Gallup's Strengths Finder, I guess it's called Clifton Strengths now. They switched that a couple of years ago. There's a talent called belief. And as Kimberly so beautifully defined or described it, it is a core value that can't be shaken. It is a strong um uh understanding of the world and your role in it that that is just it's rigid it is a rigid um talent uh kind of like responsibility that can be seen yeah. as a very rigid talent and yeah. the way that i describe it to people who aren't as familiar with how they show up both for better and for worse is yeah. that belief and responsibility both of those talents can come across as very judgmental and yes. even if there's no intention yeah. and you don't think you're being judgmental, it can come across, it can be perceived that way. Right. And the key right. is looking into your other talents, like your empathy or your relator. Right. To, right. To right. Remember what the relationship is about and the meaning behind right. it. But also, um, I love that you just described this so well, understanding that you can't project that onto somebody else and think right. it's not going to damage your relationship. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful he stuck it out with me. <laughs> well, he's only 17. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's better to happen now, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Than 30. Absolutely. But I think also Sarah, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I do the work that I do, that I am so committed to self-examination Mm-hmm. That I was because of that, I was able to recognize what was happening. But most people, you know, don't spend their life under a microscope. And I think it shows the the importance of, you know, continuing to do the self-work. There is no end end point that it is, right. you know, even when you think you're pretty self-aware and you're pretty mindful and you're working on that, it, it is a daily commitment to ourselves mm-hmm. it's a journey. because the stakes are always always higher than we realize you know your relationships with the people in your family the people you love um those are that those are really high stakes and 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 so what for me what i have to you know now when i hear the voice in my head going oh did that just come out of your mouth? Right. Um, I, <laughs> oh, yes. I remind myself to go back to my intention with him 
And that is, I want to, I want him to experience being loved and accepted. And, and if what's about to come out of my mouth is not going to ensure that he experiences himself being loved and accepted, then I need to reframe it. I need to find another way to say it. And sometimes I'm more successful at that than others. But. <laughs> like we're human, right? I mean, we yeah, have to. Yeah, yeah. Again, definitely. it's the times that we're not successful that I think make us so relatable to the people we're trying to serve. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because I, quite honestly, and I think you and I are on the same page with this, anyone who says they're an expert and they've got it all going on and you know they know all the answers, I would be really, really cautious about, about trusting that person because nobody has it all going on. Nobody is a, you know, true expert. Everyone's got their humanity that they're dealing with. And so um, I would much rather work with and, and trust someone who says, okay, I'm, you know, here's what's real. I'm human. I've done a lot of work and I want to share what I know and what, and support you how I can, but I'm not going to claim to be perfect because there is no perfect. Right. Right. And so let's come back to this whole idea of self-reflection that I, I think I'm, I'm pretty self-reflective and yet I still have those moments where I'm like, wow, that was, I'm a communication coach and I totally fucked up that conversation excuse my language Mm but um and it's almost always with family right either my Mm -hmm. husband or one of my kids or my mom or my sister yes Um, so when you're i know that you have a course that you published that Mm -hmm. you are um promoting can you tell me a little bit about that in the context of that self-growth so my book, Brave Leadership, came out in 2018. And following the book's release, I was on an airplane all the time, busy, 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 um, which was awesome. Uh, but I also never saw my family. So that, that was that part wasn't as awesome. Um, and then COVID hit. So what, what actually what happened is my dad, my dad got ill um, and my dad passed away actually two years ago. It was leap year, February 29th. So to so tomorrow. Yeah. So um, that was a big wake up call for me because uh, two, co- two weeks later, COVID hit. And um, I was really struck by this notion of, wow, you know what? You're not promised anything in this life. And if there's something you really want to do, you need to make it happen. And um, that's what preceded our our plans to move to Costa Rica. But while we were also planning to move to Costa Rica, I realized that, okay, and and I I don't know if this was true for you, Sarah, but for me, when COVID hit, all this work that I had on the calendar fell off completely. So Mm -hmm. I went from traveling almost every week to nothing on the calendar. And there was some great family connecting time. That was good. But I I realized professionally, I needed to pivot because um, if all of my work is in-person workshops and all of my work is keynotes, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with this. So uh, I started getting really busy building out the online courses for Brave Leadership. And I spent all of 2020 and in 2021, really building out those online courses. And 
Um, and we launched in uh, early 2021. And it's it's been awesome because it allows me to be wherever I want to be in the world. So Costa Rica, Ta-da. I'm talking to you from Costa Rica, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, but but the other thing is, is I, you know, I was really worried that it would degrade the in-person experience um, because, you know, connectedness is another one of my strengths. So, you know, being in person with people and, and you know, um, watching people step into their power and be excited about who they are and what they have to offer the world. To me, that was just, that was amazing. Um, and I didn't want to lose that. So what I did with the, with, with the Brave Leadership Masterclass is I built it over to unfold over eight weeks, but it, people have a lifetime to use it. Um, but it's not just video content. So there's 36 videos, I think, in the course but we also meet at different milestones in the course and, and do these two-hour Zoom workshops, which were have been amazing. They've been amazing because mm-hmm. in one workshop, I can have someone from South Africa, someone from New Zealand, someone from LA, someone from Dallas, all in the same place together. And we're, you know, we're, we're getting to dive deep into the content and apply it to their personal lives. And, um, and what started happening was the relationships that were being built because there are five live workshops. So, you know, and they're each two hours. So that's more than you can do in a full day course anyway. Right. So they spent quite a bit of time and they were really invested in one another so much so that, even though you know the the workshops, they could they could have taken it, you know they didn't have to take it at this at the same uh, with the same group of people. They could take it's a it's um, virtual, so they could have taken it any time I offered it. But they wanted to be with each other because they were committed to each other, and mm. I found that to be such a beautiful um, way. And and since you know we. I built it to unfold over eight weeks, but because that that initial launch group, we had the flexibility to work around everybody's schedules a little bit better. So they actually stretched this eight-week program out into eight months. And um, by what that's done for them is it allows them to stay in the process longer. So that's where the mindfulness comes in. So one guy would watch a video every morning and it was kind of how he grounded himself in the day. And then it it was, then he would take the, the conversation of that morning and apply it to everything he did during that day. And then he'd build on it the next day. And he was, he said, you would have to make more videos because my whole focus for the day is now off now that I've gone through <laughs> all the videos. Um, but it's it's been amazing. So we've also then, um, we've got the Facebook group and we do Facebook Live so they can stay mindful and engaged in the process. And I think the thing that's about the brave leadership journey is so much like we've been talking about already. There is no all or nothing. It's not like you arrive at brave and you're done. Right. And so every situation you face, there's, you're going to bump into obstacles, whether that's yourself, whether that's other people, whether it's the environment you're in, whatever that happens to be. Right. And so it's, how do you keep these tools front of mind? So it, 
So eventually it becomes muscle memory. So you don't have to go, okay, I need to remember how to do this tool, right? No, eventually it just becomes part of how you think through things. You know, like for example, when I talk about authenticity, I talk about are people genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief. So being able to bring that mindfulness into every situation you face, who are you going to be with? Well, today I get to be with Sarah and all of her listeners, right? Well, what does Sarah and all of the people that, to the best of my understanding, tend to listen to this wonderful podcast? What do they need from me to experience me as genuine, as someone who's worthy of their trust, as someone who they can rely on and believe in, right? And it allows you to bring a mindfulness to that situation that otherwise you just go on autopilot. Well, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. So it forces you to uh, put empathy into action in every situation you face. Now, we're humans, right? So we're not always going to remember to do it. But being able to have a process that grounds you and a community that you can come back to and say, I'm bumping into this and I don't know how to deal with it um, is is a huge win. And, you know, I think it's just like everything else. I think you probably experienced this too, that as I have the privilege to work with other people, it just forces me to be better. It forces me to be more mindful. It forces like, you know, we talked about early on, you have to, you know, teach your teacher, teach thyself. And so the masterclass for me has been phenomenal experience because I get to stay in the process too, you know? Right. Well, there are a couple of things that that have kind of crossed my mind as you were speaking about the the course masterclass. And one of them is this this relates to am I bringing myself to this situation? Yeah. Um, Was early on when I, I read the book and then we spoke. And I mentioned being nervous about a keynote that I was about to do. And Mm -hmm. this was, you know, when I was first really starting out 2018 as Mm -hmm. doing this as my full-time job. And you said, well, that's because you're focused on you. Yeah. Of course you're nervous because you're thinking about you, how are you going to be perceived? Right. And then you said, focus on what you want to bring, focus on what they can get as a result of hearing what you have to say. How is this going to change them for the better or opportunities? Does this open up for them when you give your full self or something like that? Of course, I'm paraphrasing. What's the impact you want to have on the people in front of you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I remember that so vividly. So that was the first thing that popped into my mind. So how did it change it for you, Sarah? Well, For one thing, I have shared that with so many people and I've given the book Brave Leadership as gifts to some of the people that I've worked with as a coach. I'm so grateful. Yeah, thank you. It's, well, that that part alone helps people take the pressure off. I wasn't nearly as nervous the next time right, I spoke. Right. That was the impact on me. Right. Thinking about yeah. um, realizing that I I didn't need to be nervous because I well, and in 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 having that impact on you, right? You were mm-hmm. able to better deliver your gift to the people in front of you. Right. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things, you know, a lot of people are talking about courage right now and bravery. Um, but they, they kind of say, 
You just got to get in the arena. You just got to do it. It's going to be hard, but you just got to do it. But they don't really tell you how. Okay, oh, exactly. You know, how do I do that without feeling like I'm going to throw up? And and you know, all those physical yes. sensations that come with being human when you're nervous and anxious and overwhelmed and afraid and all of those things. Nobody tells you how. And I think what I've been grateful to be able to tap into is giving people tools to do the things that they want to do that feel scary and hard and um, make their heart, you know, pound a little bit and experience themselves, you know, doing those things. And because I, you know, I believe that that confidence comes from knowing that you can count on yourself. And so when you have a situation like you did, where you went into that keynote and you got to experience yourself having an impact on the people in front of you, then the next time you're in that situation, and luckily you've found yourself in that that situation over and over and over again since that time, it becomes easier and easier and easier because you know you can count on yourself to deliver. I have right? evidence. Yeah. I, I can look back at the times that it worked. I and right. I may see a time when it didn't work and I'll self-reflect, how could I have done that better? Yeah. And try not yeah. to beat myself too much. Right, right. And that part's hard. I think, you know, I think that's a really good point because for those of us who tend to put ourselves under the microscope all the time, there is a fine line, right? How are you able to be really honest with yourself um, without beating yourself up afterwards um, for being human and just take the learning and move forward? I think that's a really, it's a hard thing to do. It is. I think it's hard for everybody. So, yeah, yeah I, but I, I just really love the idea of once you've done this and you can count on yourself and you know you've done it well and you have this evidence starting to pile up behind you, it does yeah. make it easier to step in. The other thing that I think happens when people say, just go and do it, you know, put yourself out there, do it, but they don't give you the tools to do it well, yeah. is that not only do you end up going in and flubbing it and not building that evidence right. that you can, but you're actually doing a disservice also to your audience. What are they going to get out of it if you're yeah. not confidently presenting it? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing is you don't know what wrong, right? Cause you just, right. you just kind of did it. So you didn't go in with, with a, a mindful intention of this is, this is what I'm trying to do here. And that lack of focus leaves you not knowing, well, you know, I didn't have a target, so how could I hit it? Hit it right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And that yeah. was what your book, and I'm sure your masterclass will does this for others. Um, but for your, for me, that's what the book gave me was this idea of thinking. I've every time I've done any kind of presentation in my life, which has been mm-hmm. decades of that, I would always think, what What do I want them to leave with? You know, what are the three top points that I want them to remember that I think will be most valuable to them? Now, when I think about it, I also think, how do I want them to feel when they leave? Yeah. I want them to feel good about themselves. Exactly. And there's, if you add one thing to that, Sarah, it will even ramp it up uh, even more. So I encourage people to think about how do I want them to feel and what do I want them to do? following this, this conversation, right? 
And a lot of times when we think about, you know, what do I want them to do? We make that self-serving. <laughs> so like, like I if I were, a, right, right. You know, I want them to hire me again. Right? Right. Um, exactly. but, but that's not really about them. That's about, right. that's about you, right? That's putting yourself back on the, the, the hot right. seat. So if you think about, you know, how I want them to feel, I want them to feel um, uplifted. I want them to feel good about themselves. I want them to feel inspired, whatever that is, whatever is true for your audience. And then what do I want them to do? I want them to uh, change the way they talk to their, their child the next time they have a conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that has nothing to do with you, Sarah, right? Like, you know, you're like, you know, whether they do that or not, that's, you're not going to know the difference, but that could change their life. Right. Mm. And you're focused on, and if you're that clear that that's what I want them to do is to have a different kind of conversation with the people they love, then you're going to show with such intentionality and those points that you want them to hear, you will hit them in a way that they will hear them um, in a way that they can't forget it because there's Mm -hmm. so much intention behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I I'm, think I'm just of our remembering certain events where I spoke and how when it worked. You know, I'm I'm trying to right. pile up the evidence <laughs> right now. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but it's and it's it it's a constant. I mean, I would love to say I never get nervous when I, you know, when I speak. That's I that, that's not true. But I will say that now if I'm on stage and that I I've got all these red flags in my head that kind of go, oh. You're focused on yourself. So it's that, you know, I wonder what they think. Are they enjoying this? You know, um, I I don't see any expression on their face. That's wrong, right? Like like Mm -hmm. all these red flags, which means I'm putting myself in the spotlight and I'm thinking about me. Am I okay? Am I going to look stupid? Am I going to make a mistake? You know, what do they think? All that stuff. But now when I hear that little voice in my head, now I can go, okay, Kimberly, get yourself off that hot seat and focus on that person in the third row who needs to hear from you. You know, what, what's the impact you want to have on and get real specific that person. And Mm -hmm. then I take it to another person and what's the impact I want to have on that person. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that will almost always get me out of my own way. Mm -hmm. I love that. And partly because I just put something like this into a post about performance, singing performance Uh and how I was on stage and I'm singing and I'm having so much fun. And I see like these three people in the back, just hanging out. They appear bored. They're not smiling. They're not dancing. And I'm focused so hard on those three people to try to change them. And I have a hundred and something other people that are willing participants that I'm ignoring. Right. Right. And that's for me, that's how I apply what you just said. You know, the red flags, I need to remember it's red flag. If I'm looking at somebody who's not engaged and trying to make them engaged, that's my flag to turn around and look at somebody who's smiling and dancing and make sure they are having the damn best time of their lives. They can possibly have. Right. 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 Well, and the other thing is, is, you know, we, we, of course, as human beings, it, we're, it's natural that it's all about us, right? We right. think everybody, it's all about us. That, that face that they're making that makes them look bored and uninterested, that means they don't like me. They don't like the music. They're not, you know, <laughs> but the truth is, is, you know, maybe they, 
maybe they stayed up too late the night before. Maybe they had a bad conversation with their boss. Maybe, you know, they've got indigestion. Who knows right. what it is, it probably right? Has but we can't help them me. make meaning. <laughs> oh, it's about me. They don't like me, right? And that's human. So we have to have ways to go, okay, how do I disengage myself from this self-defeating focus of attention because right. I can't deliver my best when I'm in that, when I'm thinking about that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's the best part of this whole conversation. This is the part that's going to stick with me for the next six months as I work through all of the, the presentations and workshops I'm doing. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You're going to rock it. But not because you tried to rock it, because you made an impact. Mm, thank right? you. Yeah. 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 So Kimberly, for our listeners, and we'll have all this in the show notes as well. So people don't need to rush off and grab a pen or pencil or, you know, type it up into their phone. Tell our listeners how to get involved with this masterclass other than buying the book, which I highly recommend anyway, but well, so everything, I used to have all these different websites and I were consolidated into one beautiful place and uh, everything is on braveleadershipuniversity.com. And uh, so that's where you can find all of our, our good stuff. And um, and then I'm, of course, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm on Facebook, the Kimber- my Kimberly Davis author page on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. So, you know, you can find me all over the place. But uh, probably the the best place to that's kind of an anchor for us is our Brave Leadership University website. That sounds great. And if you could leave our ga- our listeners with just one thought into the future, mm-hmm. what would that be? Ah, one out of everything we've been talking about. Um, I know. I think it's to um, bring intention to how you show up. So, so instead of being on autopilot, think about the impact you want to have on the person that you're about ready to talk to, and let that inform how you show up. Because if you don't think about that. Uh, our autopilot doesn't always serve us. We live in reaction to the world. So um, if you can simply ask yourself, you know, what's the impact I want to have on this person before I talk to them, it will change everything for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. That's perfect. And for our listeners, all of this information will be in the show notes at elkinconsulting.com. Thank you, Kimberly. Oh, I am so grateful. This has been just a joy as I knew it would be. Are you ready to start your story portfolio? So you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places. And the audiobook version is available on Google Play and on my website, elkinsconsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, The audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change, in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review. And let me know that you've done it so I can thank you properly. Thank you. Thank you.